Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 67 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And this episode, to no surprise to anyone, is basically going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it's basically affected every major sport across the world, and especially for us since we're in the United States. In the United States, um, just unprecedented uh, results from literally every other every sports league in the world. We're not talking about just soccer. I mean, I'll just quickly mention the NBA uh, just announced a suspension for their league until further notice, and that was happened, I think, two days ago. MLB has decided to suspend their spring practice. The NCAA March Madness has canceled their tournaments. Um, what else? My NHL has suspended their season. The PGA Tour has suspended their season. I mean, any major sport you can think of, the MLS, you know, they suspended their season too, and they just started their season like two weeks ago, um, which is pretty shocking. Then when you enter the European soccer field, um, the couple big news was obviously we all knew about Syria suspending their season up until April. Then La Liga announced they're going to have a two-week suspension, and um, Bundesliga just announced today that they're suspending their season up until April. Uh, Eredivisie, the PS, or the Dutch league, has suspended their season up in that time frame as well. Um, pretty much every major European league has suspended their season, and the Premier League announced today that they will be suspending the season up until April second. That is the hopeful timeline where they hope the games will start coming back and they'll be able to play them again. However, I've been reading about with certain tweets and from certain sources that they don't expect the league to actually even come back at that time. It may even be pushed back to a later date, but I'm hopeful that the Premier League will come back on April 2nd. But as they say, I mean, I do agree with them that health is more important than sports and it's just unprecedented. I've never seen anything where sports, every sport has literally be canceled because of a virus. Mm -hmm. It's actually insane. And, you know, back home here in Georgia, like, Schools are closed, like so. Yush, at UGA yeah, is. I'm uh, like on extended spring break. Apparently, yeah, like two weeks suspension week. of school. <laughs> two weeks suspension <laughs> of school, right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, for me, uh, I work in technology, so I'm working remotely from home. So, Corona has managed to shut down everything but my work. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, is what's happening, but. Nevertheless, for us, we'll have some news from the past weekend and some news to you know, tune in for what's happening for sports and for the coronavirus right now. But it's just insane. Like I it's literally a global like pandemic that's happening right now. So hopefully everyone, you know, stay safe, wash your hands, as we said in the last podcast. But now we've just been taking us a quick little break and wonder how that's really going to affect the summer leagues is what I'm wondering in terms of like Europa League or not Europa League, but like the Euros mm -hmm. and the Olympics because there are soccer in that. So I wonder how that's going to affect that as well. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing that they're possibly uh, the most likely solution is they're going to push back the Euros um, up until 2021, um, which will be huge. Because obviously a lot of these players were prepping for the Euros, but that's going to be pushed back. And also the Champions League and Europa League um, is postponed. And to me, it's just it's just crazy. I think you know I'm a I, I'm a sports fan. I was a sports fan too, but I, I just never thought you know this virus would literally shut down the sports. You know this whole sporting world. It's just crazy to think that this virus has done that. And obviously there are players in the Premier League that have been affected by it. 
Callum Hudson Adoy tested positive for the virus, and he sent a video out on Twitter saying that he's doing okay and he's recovering. Mikel Arteta got tested positive for it too, and he said he's been recovering fine. There's been three Leicester players that have been uh, confirmed tested positive for it, and then a bunch of players in Italy obviously have been tested positive for it. So it's a pretty scary situation, but I don't know. For me, I think I'm just more shocked than anything. I think... I, I never thought it would ever come down to this, but it's honestly going to be very interesting how, um, I know this sounds kind of weird to say, but how like I kind of go about my daily life, I guess, without sports, because I'm so used to having some sort of sports highlight or some sort of news going on about something in the sporting world. And now it's just yeah. all consumed by the coronavirus. And it's like, that to me is the shocking and most sad part, I would say. It's like, what are we supposed to do <laughs> for the next two weeks? <laughs> at, at the minimum two weeks. Yeah. ESPN is literally just all bowling and chess Talk shows. Now. Talk yeah. shows. Like, man. Or like replays from like 10 years ago. Yeah. It, I, I I think the last time all the all the major sports in America have been postponed was World War II. That should give you some perspective of how long, how something like this doesn't normally happen. I think it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, at first, it was just like a, a bit of a scare just like a few months ago. And now it's just a global thing. And now it's like close to home for everyone, basically. And just no one knows who has it and who doesn't. And it's not much about it. It's just a little crazy. And, you know, we're no experts, obviously, about the coronavirus. We just, you know, talking about our lives, how it's affected by it, and also how sports is being affected by and Premier League in particular. But it's just one of those things that you're not really prepared about and like you can't really prepare for. And here we are just like <laughs> just talking however much we know about it and how much <laughs> it's really affecting us in particular. But, yeah, I think um, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just uh, like Tyler said, there's just you can't really explain. I think it's just affecting all of us in certain ways. Um, I think what is pretty cool, though, I think uh, if you're trying to make a lighthearted I guess joke about the situation is that I think a lot of people are going to go hop on their game consoles or hopefully, you know, with everyone, they're advising everyone to kind of self-quarantining themselves. Well, I guess in the U.S., if you're a college student or any type of student in a university or something like that. So, you know, take this time to, I don't know, relax, quarantine yourself. Don't do, don't do anything stupid. Wash your hands, you know, all the, all the safe stuff that everyone keeps preaching. You definitely need to do it. Paul Pogba released a an ad or like a public service announcement about dabbing, dab when you want to cough, dab when you want to sneeze, <laughs> <laughs> basically keep away all the germs and everything. So I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, I agree with them. Just do as much as you can to stay safe and just don't be stupid, basically. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> Quote of the day, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. But, you know... Um, we were kind of, we were kind of. I, I wanted to mention this a little bit later, but I, I guess we should mention it now. But obviously, with no soccer being played for a whole month, uh, just in any, you know, in America or in Europe or anything, Tyler and I probably decided that we think we should probably suspend the podcast for the time being, at least until we start, uh, you, you know, just soccer in general starts playing again and just sport, the sporting world comes back, uh, because you know. There's not much to talk about besides the coronavirus, but I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I'll mention again later in the later in the pod, but uh, kind of going on to s- some of the news that happened 
before all of this went down, uh, obviously we had the Manchester Derby United winning, uh, beating Manchester City 2-0. Uh, this has been with a long string of really good results and a good 9-10 games for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And not to mention he beat uh, LASIK, or I can't even say the name, in the Europa League that happened yesterday, 5-0. Um, so the results are coming really good for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But this game, Scott McTominay scored an absolute screamer, a Mo Salah-esque goal with another <laughs> Aderson mistake. And Aderson, man, this game was just an absolute horrible time for him. I think he had a horrible, horrible day um, as goalkeeper for Manchester City. I would say arguably probably one of his worst. Um, just, a, just a really bad day filled with a lot of mistakes. And, you know, that goal from Scott McTominay kind of, you know, kind of wrapped up and summed up, you know, his day. And... No, not a good look for Ederson, who's battling out, obviously, with um, Alisson as the Brazilian's number one keeper uh, for that number one keeper spot. But bad day for Ederson. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I feel like Manchester City are starting to show that they are a somewhat vulnerable team. Because if you just went into this game, like how Manchester United did, where it's thinking, all right, this team is not an untouchable team. This team is definitely a team with a lot of holes, a lot of gaps a team that can be exploited and Manchester United really showed that it really showed like if you went into this game at the very first game of the season and this result happened, you'd be shocked. It'd be like, what, how did Manchester United basically dominate Manchester city for most of this game and come out on top two nil? It's because literally Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he just went into this team and told his team squad, he's like, all right, no fear. We're just going to go in and do the job. And like, didn't really give the respect that Man City usually has and just kind of just wiped them, honestly. And it didn't help that Ederson had one of the worst games, as yes mentioned, of his whole career as a Manchester City goalkeeper because he was terrible. Like, he was so casual on the ball. Like, he would receive yeah, he really... it. And there, there's at one point he yeah. took out Martial. <laughs> I know. It was a... Uh, it was, yeah, it was a... Too- it... Mm-hmm. It was such an easy back pass, and he basically was just so lazy, almost De Gea esque from the Everton game. Just very, he took so much time on the ball. It was just even during like the warmups too. Like Ederson was just not like you know one hundred percent just ready to go. He was just like you know what, it's just it's just another match. But this is the Manchester derby. You can't be doing that in the Manchester yeah. derby. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What are you doing? And I I wanted to point this out. I think. I don't know. I just kind of felt like Man City and Pep's whole vibe. It didn't really seem like they were that into this game, if we're being honest with starting from Aderson being so, you know, relaxed and calm. Um, and, you know, I think having no Kevin De Bruyne obviously didn't help them because he's kind of the engine that kind of keeps them running a lot of times. But overall, I, I just didn't think they were that. They they just didn't show that energy. And I think Fernandinho got cut out a lot by Martial. I think Martial and Bruno Fernandes linked up pretty well and they were causing some havoc. Uh, for them and then Fred is just growing in confidence day by day and you're just kind of seeing a little bit of the player that you know a little bit of the player we saw when he was playing and uh, you know that was it Shakhtar Donetsk that player that we saw there that kind of you know encouraged Manchester United to buy him I think we're starting to see a better version of him I thought Matic was really good um, you know just overall I think the team played very very well and I think Bruno Fernandes as we keep saying it was the catalyst for it but I mean, for City, it was a terrible day, terrible day for them. And I think, you know, I I just think that Scott McTominay goal just kind of summed up uh, just, you know, you know, if you were to ask a Manchester United player to attempt a shot from back there in the month of September, October, 
Um, if they did it, it was going to probably go all the way up in the stands, like up into the, <laughs> the tent, you know, in the nosebleeds. But I think the fact that McTominay was so confident that he just took, he first of all intercepted the ball and he saw the opening and he was just like, hmm, might as well just shoot. And the fact that the ball basically was just a perfectly placed shot, I think that just kind of shows the growth and confidence these Manchester United players are starting to have. And, you know, they're starting to feel, and I think the whole squad in general is starting to gel a lot better. And I have to give kudos to Oligona Solskjaer because I was on here before, you know, that our co-hosts are, obviously Tyler has said it before, but our special guests that we've had on the show have kind of questioned the coaching ability of Solskjaer. And a lot of them have been wanting Pochettino to kind of come in and take the job. But I think I have to give kudos to Solskjaer because he's shown that, you know, if you give him some good players, he can actually make the squad tick and go the right way. And I think we're seeing that right now. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a shame that now there is a bit of a break. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of good momentum to have. And now the break kind of just wipes it for everyone. And not only for Manchester United, but also for Manchester City too, because coming off of this, they're going to have to stick with this result in the back of their heads for the next few weeks where they're like, man, we just came off the loss of the Manchester Derby. And yeah. it was a pretty shocking result, too. And some players just had terrible games, not only on top of Ederson, but also Raheem Sterling. He was... Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka scared him, man. He couldn't exactly. do anything on the ball. Wan-Bissaka was literally Raheem Sterling's back pocket right there. <laughs> it was in Dude, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's back pocket. I, I, I got to say this. I feel like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I, I got to give... A credit to him too. His attacking, his improvement attack going forward has been so much better since the start of the season. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he dribbled past. Yeah, <laughs> I was no, like, holy I, crap. No, and I, I, he's getting much better at his crosses. Obviously, he's no natural like Trent Alexander Arnold is when going forward, but I think he's slowly starting to get a little bit better and slowly improving that part of his game. And I think if he does that, I think we. You know, that will be his next step into terms of becoming a better fullback. I know our and um I know Lee Dixon and Graham Lasso, who do the commentary for NBC Sports, they kind of mentioned that they would like to see Wambasaka get in better positions defensively so he doesn't have to do sliding tackles all the time to win the ball back. But I think that will come with time. But I think, man, he's looking like he's just looking like a quality right back in the Premier League. And that is, you know, when you have good fullbacks in the Premier League, you can really do a lot of damage. I mean, just look at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. For Anwan Basaka, he's literally, he, the very beginning of the season, I feel like you could predict what he's going to do for most of the time. He'd just like run down the wing, cross, fake left, run right, cross. <laughs> it's, like, it's always like that kind of like same routine every single time. So it got a little stale. And then even his crosses weren't the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were kind of just like yeah. so random. Basically, I know. Just it was just in. like, all right, whip it in. <laughs> I don't know who, but someone someone's gonna get someone's gonna land on someone. But during this game, he like there's a dribble we were mentioning where he literally had the ball on his right le- or right foot. He kicked it into his left leg, got past a player from just mm. bouncing it off his leg. That's crazy. And just went through the like just sliced through the Man City defense for that one move. And it was just <laughs> on goal. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I was like, when did he turn into a four star skiller? What the heck? <laughs> Oh man, I and I do have to mention that the Old Trafford crowd from the TV. I mean, it looks so exuberant, and so happy, and so loud, and you know, boisterous. I don't think I've seen the crowd like that in a while, especially not under the, like the last season with Jose Mourinho. The crowd was just 
on their feet for pretty much most part of the game. Mm-hmm. But that, that that game was just a, a joy to watch as a Manchester United fan. It was just nice to see them perform so well in a game yeah. like this. Yeah, shout out to our, our friend who was at the game, Alec. Who, mm, <laughs> yeah, shout out to him. He, he caught was, video of McTominay's goal. Yeah, he was just there from the U.S. like just uh, on vacation or something, but basically there and he got to witness the whole thing. So there we go. We got we got our man on the on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> we got a man on the ground right man there. Man on the ground. Um, but yeah, that, that an excellent day for Manchester United right there. They are gaining momentum, and obviously with the Premier League suspension, it does hurt them a little bit in that momentum, but on some good run of form. And then going on to Liverpool, who finally got a much-needed win after a crazy couple of weeks, and that win came at a cost because, you know, they did win 2-1, but obviously in the midweek before the Champions League, before um, UEFA announced the suspension of the Champions League and Europa League matches, Liverpool got unfortunately got knocked out by Atletico Madrid in Diego Simeone classical you know classic fashion of it just a set up shop and hit him on the counter attack um, win and you know Liverpool unfortunately the previous cha- the last year last season's Champions League winners are knocked out of the competition but they are two matches away right from clinching the Premier League title that yep. they unfortunately will have to wait until April hopefully to start playing some games again. Yep. <laughs> oh my! Unless Man City lose the next two games, then Liverpool will win, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> so that could happen as well. But for the, to quickly go over the Champions League game, Oblak, the Atletico Madrid keeper, just became a god. <laughs> just turned god mode on in terms of goalkeeping and just stopped oh everything. It's around thirty-three shots, I believe, last time uh. I saw, and none. Just only two went in. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> it was and, unbelievable. And Adrian, the Liverpool goalkeeper, ooh, just had, ooh. I hate to say it, a Curry, Curious-esque performance Champions there. League night. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a rough night against another Madrid team. But as a Twitter uh, user I saw online said, that's also a Liverpool fan. I'm not going to name any names, but he, he mentioned... Liverpool have to sacrifice the career of a goalkeeper in order to win the Champions League next season. So, <laughs> <laughs> in true fashion, Adrian, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's looking like maybe this season will be his last if it, Liverpool need to win the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it was unfortunate. And I think, you know, I don't know. I saw that game. I, um, I saw Mo Salah. I know I saw, I saw him a lot in that game where he was basically kind of doing the classic Mo Salah where he, you know, he's running with the ball, cuts in with his left and just tries to finesse a lot. Or, you know, he kind of does those little tricks and flicks. And really, it just wasn't coming off for him that night. And I think um, the same with Mane. Didn't he have like a bicycle kick he tried to attempt? And, it, you know, it went um, over the top of the bar. Um, there was just too everything. many. Yeah. I mean, there was just too many moments where, you know, it just wasn't clicking fully for Liverpool. And you clearly saw the the defensive setup that Atletico had was just causing Liverpool so many problems because it wasn't like Liverpool could hit them on the counterattack, which when they do, they're so deadly because you have the pace of the fullbacks and then Mane and Salah and Firmino. But I mean, this game, Atletico just basically had a big, big, like a big brick wall up there and Liverpool just could not penetrate that wall. And I think Atletico just played their cards perfectly. They had two walls. They had two defense lines. <laughs> <laughs> like two two 
lines of four as Klopp mentioned it in the post like match conference where it's basically mm-hmm. it's like I usually don't face teams where it's a back line of four and then covering them as another back line of four and then two forwards and that's it <laughs> there's no midfield it's just that I'm like geez Klopp not very pleased with this result because honestly as he mentioned as well it doesn't feel right for Liverpool to get kicked out of the Champions League in this way but it's how the competition is you know you just got to do what you got to do to win and mm-hmm. Atletico you know fair game to them they did it, it- in their way, like the classic way they usually do it. The Simeone way. The Simeone way. But I would say this. Yeah, it's not the prettiest. And obviously, it doesn't really... I guess in this day and age, it doesn't really bode well for trying to win a league title. But man, when it comes to those Champions League nights, and it's so sad that they're not going to be happening anytime soon until like this month ends, hopefully. Those one-off nights where... Obviously, Jose Mourinho didn't get the same luck. We'll talk about that just a little bit later. But I mean... Those nights where Diego Simeone just sets up a block. I mean, it's it's something you don't want to see if you're the team facing him. But when you're just a neutral watching it, you're just in awe in how well the team can defend as a group and then just break out in a counterattack and just score a random goal to win the game. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I It's just one of the coolest things to witness. It's just, this is like a ch- classic Champions League. You play your cards correctly and you can get out and get out and win the game type of move. And I think... He's one of the best managers doing it. Him and Jose Mourinho are one of the best managers at doing it if they have everything in their favor. And then if you're a fan of the t- of the opposing team watching it, it could make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> so that can happen too. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. But the um looking at the Premier League, I mean they did beat Bournemouth. <laughs> they beat Bournemouth 2-1, but the Premier League being suspended, I mean, what happens to a league title, man? Uh I think the Premier League will still happen. Like, it'll still continue. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter, no matter how long it gets postponed, because not only for the Premier League title's sake, but also for the other Champions League spots, Europa League spots, and I would say even more importantly, relegation zone spots. Yep. Because if certain teams... Spend Bournemouth are in there right money, now. Yeah, exactly. So, like, certain teams are in there right now. If, you know, the season ends and they just get demoted, and that's not really fair. And on the flip side as well, the championship sides... There's a playoff for the last for the last third spot. So yeah, I think West Brom are in West Brom in that position or West Brom, I believe, are in first. Oh, okay. Second. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's huge for that's that's a that's a lot. Yeah, no West Brom, but (laughs) but um, that's a lot of money on the on the line for those championship clubs that need the uh, need that cash. Yeah, they need that cash for promotion. So it's so I don't think it's gonna these leagues are going to just, you know, call it quits on the season. Mm-hmm. Like for, you know, NBA in particular, most of their season's done. There's around maybe nine or 10 I games I think it's left. like 12. I think it's 12 games left or something yeah, like that. Yeah, over like an 82-game season. Yeah. That didn't feel a significant amount in terms of like what teams make it into the playoffs and things like that. But if they were to shorten it to maybe like half of those games, it's not as, you know, damaging as say a Premier League side where they play 38 games in a season and not playing 10 of those is it's around like a yeah, four. That's thirty points. Yeah, that's thirty points right there. On the line, if you were to theoretically win all ten games. Mm-hmm. So I still think it's just going to be postponed. Every single, not only the Premier League, but like Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. I think all those leagues will be just postponed as long as it's needed, and then it'll just push the Euros further back because that can be something that can be rescheduled. But for the leagues, I think these will be prioritized. 
or high priority and mm-hmm. will continue. I, I don't see this going to be a way of Liverpool not winning the title, despite <laughs> all the memes and jokes. I think it'll still happen. It's just a little stressful to see. Just mm-hmm. like a little, a little sad to see too for all these players getting tested positive for coronavirus. That is true. I uh, I know we mentioned that earlier in the episode, but that is definitely not the best sight to see. But hopefully, you know they can get the leagues back and back and running and everything. But but I oh, mean to yeah. quickly mention back to the Liverpool game, of course against Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, it was a good bounce back from the several losses that Liverpool has suffered this past two weeks, basically. And it was the one positive I would say that. You know, James Milner came in, came in with a goal line clearance in the 60th minute after Sadio Mane got the goal and Mo Salah got the the first goal. So Liverpool, of course, won 2-1, but it was a bit of a scare that Bournemouth got the opening goal. I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. You know, Liverpool answered very quickly right after that. And with all these events I just mentioned, Liverpool managed to keep the three points and get inch a little closer to that title. I think... You know, now Liverpool eliminated from every other competition. Uh, I'm not going to say it's impossible for them not to win the Premier League at this they point. Got two but... games. They literally, they, they, all they have to do is win two games. Win I think two they games got it. Or for Man City they got to it. lose two games. I think they got it, Tyler. I don't think you got to worry. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And if Liverpool do win the title, then they technically do have a trouble. They will win the FIFA World, the FIFA Club World Cup. And I believe the Super Cup as well, and mm. the Premier League. So technically, that is a trouble, but not you know Champions League the double domestic or trouble. like the domestic. Honestly, I just want the Premier League. Like I went into the season, I'm not sure if I said it as explicitly on yeah. the, the podcast as much. Prioritize Premier League. <laughs> I was like, please win the Premier League. <laughs> I just want to win it in my lifetime. At least one <laughs> one of each trophy in my lifetime, and so far the Premier League has not been one of those. So. It'd be nice. It's kind of crazy to see all this delay, but you know, if it eventually happens, then it'll all be worth. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, what they say: good things you, come to like, those who wait. <laughs> yes, that's that's the quote right there. Um, but quickly moving on to Chelsea Everton, I, this game was surprisingly so easy for Chelsea. I watched a little bit of this game. I think I believe I watched the first half of this, and the game was already done after the first half, and you could clearly tell like Chelsea were literally on top of Everton which was so crazy considering the amount of fight and effort we've been praising Everton for um and the way they performed against United I thought you know they could come into Stanford Bridge and make a good result out of this but you know this shows that Carlo Ancelotti he's got a he's got a big task ahead in terms of kind of getting rid of some of these players that don't necessarily need to be at the club anymore and really you know bringing in a strong mentality so that you don't see these one-off you know you don't you don't start seeing games like this where they perform really well one week and then just get blown out the next i think everton are capable enough of being a more consistent club i think they that comes with having players that fit the mold and fit the mentality of the manager so i'd like to see that in the future but uh quickly going to the burnley tottenham game that finished 1-1 this was a it's been i would say a horrible couple months for jose Mourinho. Um, obviously not in the scale of the coronavirus level, obviously, but just in terms of footballing, you know, stat wise and record wise, it's been a terrible string of results for him. Um, he drew one one against Burnley, but then he got knocked out in the Champions League, got humiliated by RB Leipzig away from them, uh, going to their stadium. 
Um, just an absolute humiliation. Uh, they lost Steven Bergwijn for the rest of the season. Harry Kane, Hyunmin Son is already out. I think Musa Dembele will be out. He publicly, um, just publicly, you know, disgraced Tongui and Dombele. Um, just absolutely ripped him a new one in front of pretty much the entire, <laughs> the entire press world. conference. Yeah. yeah, entire world just ripped him a new one. Um, there seems to be no time of no type of fluidity in their attacking. Um, you know, they're attacking play. It's not going well for Jose Mourinho. And I think this is a huge test for him because if he doesn't succeed, succeed at Tottenham, I think a lot of people are, are might view Jose Mourinho as a finished manager, which is crazy to think, but he could kind of go down as not being the special one anymore if he can't really turn it around and start winning some games and hopefully bringing a trophy to Tottenham in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And he was the, the roasting of... And Dombele, that one really kind of stuck out to me as a kind of question he's for losing his coaching. It. Yeah, he's losing yeah. it because he's you know roasting him for not really putting in the effort, chasing down players on the pitch and doing what he's what he's supposed to do. But as the coach, he's got to be able to be the one that also is like in during the training sessions and all that, like kind of echo that to him and say, hey. I really need more effort from you. I really need you to do this, 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 and this. Not expose him to everyone in the world, these issues. And this is not a secret. He does this everywhere he goes. But I always wanted to know, why does he do this? I I don't think it really accomplishes the goal he once hoped it did. I think back in the day, he could have got away with it because um, I don't like to say, like, oh, the mentality was tougher with those players. But, you know, there was... You know, no type of social media back then, like a big presence, you know, back when he was first at Chelsea in those 04 days. Um, you know, you obviously you had the newspapers and TV, but, you know, you could kind of get away with saying that and maybe people wouldn't cling on to it that well. But I mean, players nowadays are just always on social media and they're, you know, the last thing you want to see on social media is you being humiliated by your manager in front of literally the entire world. And, you know, he did this at Manchester United. He criticized Luke Shaw. He criticized Anthony Martial. He criticized Paul Pogba, and guess what that got him? After a couple seasons, they kind of turned their back on him, and you know it blew up in his face. And you know they paid a big price for Ndombele. You know they paid close to like I think eighty million for him as a midfielder, talented midfielder. But as we saw, as as we said with you know with Jose Mourinho, he doesn't really get the best out of attacking players sometimes because he kind of stifles their creativity because he kind of forces them to play so defensive all the time. And I was just thinking in the back of my head, imagine if Bruno Fernandes went to Tottenham. Could you imagine that? I just, I don't know. I, I just couldn't imagine him being there. And like, imagine him being there and seeing how much, like whether he would even be thriving at this moment in time. I don't think he would. It would, he'd be, just be a second Deli Ali in that, <laughs> in that system. <laughs> I don't know. It, what would probably happen is he'll probably play maybe two games and then Jose Mourinho will basically say he'll just randomly be dropped from the squad and Mourinho will be like, oh, he needs to improve his uh, his defensive abilities before he can even step into my team. Oh, my. I got a roast of Jose Mourinho <laughs> right here. <laughs> I, I, you know, I really admire him. You know, he I, I respect him because he's a great manager, but I genuinely think if he doesn't turn it around at Tottenham and he obviously... Next season is going to be a season where everyone judges him. But if he doesn't do well in that next season, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, do you would you even consider Mourinho even a top five, top ten manager in the world if he can't even succeed at Tottenham next season? 
I think it's going to be like a Carlo Ancelotti kind of situation where he has the historic pedigree of getting trophies and like things like that, getting the, the most out of certain players. But now if he's continuing the string of not really getting results, not really getting the trophies mm. and just being toxic overall, then he's going to just get at, tossed around. He's going to end up at Everton at this point. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I mean, Jose Mourinho, it's such an interesting case. I think, I don't know. I've never been a fan of his man management, man management, but all I have to say is Manchester United fan. I'm so glad those days are done. of just, constantly being anxious about what he might say or which player he might call out or who he's going to blame. I think the biggest thing with him is he sometimes never just puts the blame on himself and never admits that, hey, you know, I was wrong in this situation or I failed the team. You know, it's always like, oh, that that player failed or that coach failed or, you know, you know, the ref did this and that's why I couldn't get my result. I, I've never seen that from Mourinho where he just just accepts that he failed, you know, that it was his fault. And that that's the reason they didn't get the result. I just have never seen. I didn't see it at Manchester United. Um, I didn't see it as second stint at Chelsea, and I don't know if I'll see it at Tottenham. To be honest, it'll be a lot for him to grow from his previous self. But I think, as Yash has been mentioning, that's something he needs to do. But we'll have to see because <laughs> he's a grown man, man. <laughs> it's gonna take a lot for him to, you know mature that much mm-hmm. at that age it's like at that age you're pretty much yeah. set to who you are that's true uh you know that that's just a that's just a story we, we're probably going to be watching for like the rest of the season obviously but um just quickly i guess wrapping up this episode it's a little bit shorter than normal but as we said kind of midway through the episode we will be postponing um our ha- we'll be having our postponement of the Premier Pod up until hopefully the first week of April when we're hoping that European soccer and hopefully every sport will start getting kicked back, um, start going back again. And, you know, hopefully the sporting world can kind of get back to normal. But obviously, you just never know with uh, stuff like this, the health. Everyone's pri- prioritizing health as the number one priority, which I believe is the, you, you know, you need to do that. I think health is more important than playing a sport. But hopefully, you know, things can calm down a little bit with coronavirus and we might see, you know, European soccer being played again. But um, with that announcement, I think we just wanted to say that we'll be postponing recording episodes um, up until that point. So don't expect any new episodes from us up until, you know, hopefully the first week of April. But the Premier League is back. Yeah, hopefully the Premier League is back. Um, I guess whenever the Premier League does come back, I think that's when you're going to probably see more consistent episodes from us. But as of right now, just don't expect um, episodes coming out anytime soon. But with that, that kind of wraps up a little bit somber episode 67 for us. I know it's not been the most joyful ones to talk about, but hey, it's news. It happens, but hopefully... Hopefully we can get this all figured out sometime soon. But that kind of wraps us wraps up episode 67 for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. But yeah, that kind of does it for us. Peace. Peace.